just love losing an hour of sleep. But the good news is we woke up, right? So thank you for being here this morning. And uh, if you're a guest of ours especially, uh, thanks for kind of getting up a little early and uh, getting here to our service. Um, I don't know about you, but and, and I guess you'd expect this out of, out of a pastor, but reading is like, it's like water for my soul. It rejuvenates me. It refreshes me. And I'll tell you a little known fact about me, um, which um, uh, I'm pretty proud of, to be honest with you. I taught myself to read. When I was three and a half years old, I'm not making this up, we were moving to Florida, and I began to read billboards on the side of the road. And um, mom and dad really weren't paying any attention. You know, I was sitting in the back seat with my brother Mike, and we were driving down the road. This was back before the days of interstates, and so all you really had was billboards. And nothing. Remember Stuckey's? Anybody remember Stuckey's? Billboards and Stuckey's, about all you had. And uh, I began to just, I don't know how, it was just, it was a God thing, but I began to put letters together on my own. And before my, uh, my mom looked back at me, and what, she said, are you reading billboards? Yes, ma'am. And so by the time I got started first grade, I started school when I was five, and by the time I got to first grade, I was way past Tom, see the dog, eat the cat. I mean, I, I was way beyond that. I was already reading little short stories about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, and and, and, and ever since I was just as, as far back as I can remember, I've always loved to read. And I, I'm a voracious reader. I, I, just, I just reading all the time. And, and I read so much that it really takes a speed bump for me to kind of slow down and really stop and really, really tight bring something into me. It takes a speed bump of a sentence or a paragraph, I mean, to really grab my attention. Because most of the time, I'm, I've taken several speed reading courses. I'm a speed reader. And of course, anybody that knows me knows I'm just, I'm a speed at everything. That's just kind of my personality. But, but not long ago, I was reading a book, and I hit one of those speed bumps. And it was a statement by Bill Hybels. And this is what he said. He said, if you really believe in the redeeming and transforming power of God's presence in a person's life, then the single greatest gift you can give someone is an explanation of how to be rightly connected to him. Now, I, I've really debated over whether or not I ought to make this statement. I really have. I was debating it a while ago. That's why I walked in a little bit late. And, and I'm going to do it. And, and, and I'm going to tell you why, because I, I guess I'm going to use a little reverse psychology. I don't really believe most of you are going to take this message seriously. I think most of you are going to blow this one off. Now, if I'm wrong, I want you to come up to me after the service is over or come up to me down the road and prove to me I was wrong. But I am convinced especially this service is going to blow me off. You say, why do you believe that? Look at the empty chairs. Why, why is it this service growing? 11 o'clock, we're standing room only. You say, well, it's the hour. I don't believe that. Don't believe it at all because a lot of other churches have packed out services at 9.30. The reason why we're not growing in this service is because you will not take what I'm going to tell you seriously. If you don't believe that, let me just ask every one of you a simple question. When is the last time you invited someone to this church? I didn't, tell you, I didn't even say you just successfully got them here. When is the last time you even tried to invite somebody to this church? So I'm going to go ahead and give you my challenge. A year from this Sunday, I'd like to see this service doubled in attendance. 
And if you're waiting on me to do it, if you go ahead and clap if you want to. If you're waiting on me to do it, it ain't going to happen. I can't do it by myself. I'm out there busting it. I'm trying to do it. There is no reason why every one of you sitting in these seats right now cannot have somebody beside you a year from now. None. The only reason will be if you walk out of here and say, I'm not going to do it. Now, I'm going to say it again. I really don't believe you're going to take me seriously in this message. I really don't. Now, if that makes you mad, you come up and apologize to me and I'll forgive you. I'm asking you to prove me wrong. I'm asking you to show me you got us figured out wrong. You got us pegged wrong, Pastor. You've really undersold us. Now, it can happen if you will take seriously what Hybel said and take seriously this message. Because I do know this. There are some of us in this room that do believe in the redeeming and the transforming power of God's presence in our lives or else we wouldn't be here. But see, that very belief also describes a big problem that many of us have. And, and the problem is, even though we really do believe in our hearts that our neighbors and our relatives and our friends and our co-workers would be better off if they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. Even though I'm convinced you really do believe that, the truth of the matter is we really don't live like we really do believe that. And the reason I know that is because of one statistic that I want to throw up on the screen. And I don't try to give a lot, but I just want to throw up one statistic on the screen. 96.4% of all professing Christ followers have never led another person to a relationship with Jesus Christ. 96.4% of all people who claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ have never led one person, not one, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're beginning a series that's quite frankly in my wheelhouse and in my hotspot. It's called RSVP. Our mission statement, as you know, is to love God, serve others, share your story. Let's say that together. Love God, serve others, share your story. Now, let's just get the elephant out on the room, okay? The hardest part of that statement is the last one. Love God, don't we love God? Serve others, anybody can do something. It's that share your story part that's the hardest one. And, and through the years, I've realized that the biggest problem most of us have in sharing our story is simply getting a foot in the door. How do you get started, Pastor? Where do you begin? How, how do you even get a foot in the door? There's some of you right now, and you're going, you know, I, I, I do want to take this message seriously. And I do want to be responsible for filling up the seat. I really do. But I really don't know how to do it. I don't know where to start. Well, this is what this series is all about, and especially even this message, because you were put on this earth to get a foot in the door of the lives of unbelievers so that God could use you to bring them to himself. And you know, when you look at people who have made the most of their lives, when you look at people who have really been successful, every one of them has one thing in common. I defy you to, to, to find anybody that doesn't have this true about them. I don't care who it is in any business, secular, politics, church, whatever. Anybody that's really made an impact with their life, here's what was true about them. They knew their purpose. They somehow had clearly defined and marked out why they were here, what their objective in life was, and they fulfilled it. Even somebody like Steve Jobs, who was not a believer, even somebody who died, as far as I know, without Christ in his life, Jobs knew his purpose in life was Apple. He knew, he knew his problem in life 
was to help make our lives easier, at least we hope he did, by the iPad and the iMac and the iPhone. He knew what his purpose in life was. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you don't have to wonder what your purpose in life is because we all have the same purpose. There is a reason why God has not already taken you to heaven. I mean, why has God left you here? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul said. Listen to this, Acts 20, verse 24. Life is worth nothing. Now, listen to this. Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. If you've been coming here for the last several weeks, you know that we just finished a series in the book of Acts that we called Ignite. And we learned that God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we will be his what? Witnesses. Say it out loud. Witnesses. Not so that we would be his salesmen. Not so that we would be his attorneys. But so that we would be his witness. Now, what is a witness? A witness is simply somebody that shares their story. I've been a witness before in a trial. All they asked me to do when I got up was to share my story. Now, if you go back to our mission statement for just a moment, which is to love God, serve others, and share your story, uh, let me just remind you of something. Do you understand that when we die, after you leave this earth, you will still be able to fulfill the first two parts of that mission statement? We'll spend all eternity loving God. We'll spend all eternity serving. In some way, somehow, we're going to be still serving. But the only thing we will never be able to do once we leave this planet, the only chance we will ever have to apply the last statement is on this earth. Because the second you die, you will never get a chance ever to share your story with an unbeliever for all eternity. Now, think about this. You say, okay, I want to learn how to share my story. Well, let's just kind of back it up. Let's just go backwards, start thinking backwards to see where we can get to the point where we can do that. In order to share your story, you've got to have somebody to listen to it. If there's somebody to listen, there's no need to share your story. In order to get somebody to listen to it, you've got to find them. But then when you find them, you've got to position them in such a way that they'll be willing to listen to your story. Now, let me give you the good news. This is really good news to me. Every Gallup poll says that interest in spiritual things and spirituality is on the rise. Now, interest in religion, that's going down. Interest in organized religion, that's going down. Interest in the church, that's going down. But interest in what people call spiritual things or spirituality is going up. So in other words, the world is far more ready to hear our story than we are to share it. I'm going to say that again. The world is far more ready to hear our story than we are to share it. We've just got to learn how to get a foot in the door. So what I want to do today is just talk about evangelism 101. Okay, evangelism is not a word to be afraid of. The Bible talks about it. But evangelism 101, all it is is just getting a foot in the door. If you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. The New Testament begins with four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So go to the Gospel of John, and we're in the first chapter. And all I want to do is share with you how the very first people who met Jesus for the very first time got the ability and took the initiative to get their foot in the door with people who were not believers and who were not followers. Because what I'm going to answer this morning out of John 1 is, how did the first followers of Jesus Christ 
get their foot in the door with people who are not followers of Jesus Christ. Now, again, let me just make this plain because I'm just, I'm a blunt guy. You know this, the older I get, the more blunt I get. I'm sorry, I'm not mellowing out. I guess I'm getting rough around the edges. Too much like my dad, okay? If you're not going to take this message seriously, just check out. You're not going to hurt my feelings, okay? Not a problem. However, if you're sitting there, and, and I don't care if it's a good way or a bad way. I don't care if your heart's tender to the things of the Lord and you say, Oh, Pastor, I'm so hurt that you'd say I wouldn't take this message seriously. You just broke my heart, and I promise you I'm going to take it seriously. Or you're so fleshly and carnal, you're saying, By thunder, I'll show you I am going to take it seriously. I don't care. If you're going to take my message seriously, I want you to say four words with me. I can do this. All right, ready? I can do this. I give you my word. I am not going to ask you this morning to do anything you're not capable of doing beginning today. So if that's the so I want you to relax. All right? We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to tell you you got to learn New Testament Greek or you got to memorize 40 chapters of the Bible or you got to go out and go door to door. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to share with you today three simple things you can begin to do today to begin to turn things around just in this service and turn things around in your life. You can do it. Three simple things. They all begin with the letter I. Step number one, involve. Say that with me. Involve. I can do this. Say that with me. I can do this. Everybody can get involved. All right, look in John 1, verse 35. The next day again, John, that is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. Now, what I love about this part of the story is Jesus himself shows the way and sets the example of how anybody can get their foot in the door with anybody. Now, look at what happened. Look, look what Jesus is doing. He's just out taking a walk. He's just living life. He's just living the dream. He's not doing anything special. He's just out taking a walk. Well, he's spotted by John the Baptist. By, and, and John the Baptist points to him and says, you are the Lamb of God. Well, two of, the, of John's disciples hear him talk about Jesus in this way, and they say, wow, Lamb of God. I don't know all that that means, but I'd like to find out something about this guy. So at this point now, all they know about Jesus is what they've heard from, from John, and all John has said about Jesus is he's the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. So they begin to follow Jesus. Now, they don't know Jesus. They don't have a, really, they don't have a clue who Jesus is, but they're curious enough. They want to learn something. They want, they want to know more about Jesus, all right? So Jesus realizes they're following him. He turns to them, and he begins the conversation by asking a question. And oh, by the way, the greatest way to get your foot in the door with somebody is just start asking questions. People love to be asked questions. So he asks a question. He says in verse 38, what are you seeking? Now, that's a normal question. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're walking, and you, you look around, and you see these two guys following you. And, and it's just a normal thing. So, hey, you know, what are you guys looking for? So, in other words, what he's saying is, hey, why are you following me? What, what, what are you looking for? What are you after? Now, I have found a very easy question. You might want to write this question down. I found a very easy question to ask people that you know that you have a relationship with is something like this. 
Where are you on your spiritual journey? That's a very harmless question. Where are you on your spiritual journey? A lot of you say, I don't even know how to get the conversation started. There's a good con. I'll ask people that on an airplane. And I've got a conversation. I had, I had, I, and I'm not going to tell, tell it until Easter Sunday. I had one of the three most fascinating conversations for two and a half hours I've ever had in 59 years of living this past Monday flying to New York. And I'll tell you about it. But one of the questions I asked this person that I was talking to was, where are you on your spiritual journey? Or another question is, what do you think about God? So he just said, what are you seeking? Now, they respond with a question. He says, all right, what are you seeking? They say, well, where are you staying? Now, what's this. You know what most of us would have said? If somebody said, where are you staying? We'd have said, oh, man, I'm having the experience of a lifetime. I've been staying at a Holiday Inn Express. That's what, you know, that's what we would have said. But Jesus doesn't do that. He sees an opening. Look what he says in verse 38. Come and see. Come and you'll see. Now, he could have just said, oh, I'm staying over at uh, 1800 Satellite Boulevard. or I'm staying over at 10th Street. I'm staying at the hotel. He said, no, come and see. He's, instead of, of, of walking away, what does he do? He sticks his foot in the door. He opens up and he, and he invites them to come. And he says, look, let's continue the conversation. Now, why was Jesus wanting to talk to them? Because he was willing to get involved in their life. He was willing to involve himself in where they were at their own point of spiritual pilgrimage in order to make an impact on their life. Now, listen to this. Where sharing your story begins is just by getting involved, just by having a heart for people. And I want, to say, I want you to hear this. Everything you're going to hear me say in the next three weeks is going to depend upon one thing. Are you willing to get involved? Because let me tell you how most of you live your life when it comes to unbelievers. Let me tell you how most of you live your life when it comes to people who are far from God. Let me tell you how most of you are living your life with all these empty seats. You're living your life this way. I don't want to get involved. So that's why you don't. And I'm simply telling you right now, everything I'm going to say to you is going to be a waste of your time and a waste of my breath if you're not willing to get involved. If you don't get to a point where you really care for people, then you'll never get to a point where you share your story. See, one of two thoughts will always dominate your life. Always. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. Thought number one. I matter the most to me. I matter the most to me. Thought number two, people matter the most to God. Now, if you come here week after week after week after week after week after week after week, Never think about involving yourself in the lives of anybody else. Never think about reaching out and cultivating a relationship with people who are far from God. Never think about inviting people to this church. Your thought really is, I matter the most to me. And you will never get on the train. I'm trying to get you on this morning till you finally change your way of thinking. And instead of saying, I matter the most to me, you start thinking, people matter the most to God. Because if you believe that people matter the most to God, then you want to get involved in the lives of other people so you can bring them to the God that created them. And by the way, the people are going to be the most receptive to your witness and to your story and to your testimony and to your influence are those people who you get involved with. Those people that you get a foot in the door with. Because many times, it will be people that God's already put into your life that you already have a relationship with. For example, you see this in the next few verses, verse 40. 
One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now, it is not coincidental that Andrew first went to Peter. Because in the Greek language, when you read it in the original Greek language, it's not just he just happened to walk up on Peter. That just was, you know, was accidentally just happened to see him first. In the Greek language, the first guy he thought about was his brother. The first guy he thought about was Peter, and he purposely went to his brother. Why did he do that? He was already involved with his brother. He already had a relationship with his brother. He, he already had a connection with his brother. Now, if you really want to do something interesting, let me tell you what you ought to what, what, you, In fact, you could do this right now while I'm up here talking. Start thinking about relatives. Start thinking about close friends. Start thinking about neighbors that you have lived by maybe for years that you have a relationship with. But you've never shared your story with them. You've never ever brought up spiritual matters with them whatsoever. You've never inquired about where they are on their spiritual pilgrimage. You've never gotten involved in their life beyond a surface level. And I want to be very honest. If we're going to tear down the walls of the homes outside this church and build bridges to people who never come to church, we're going to have to prioritize getting involved in the lives of those outside the church. And here's why I'm very skeptical about some of you in this room. You're going to have to change your attitude about a lot of things. About people, whether they matter the most to God or not. About you and whether you're willing to get involved in their life or not. About our church and what we're trying to offer here to people. who are, You know, I remember in the neighborhood where I lived, the first neighborhood party we were invited to was about 11 years ago. And I think I talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, on the invitation, it had BYOB. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, that doesn't mean skim milk and Diet Coke, okay? Uh, BYOB means bring your own bottle. I had a lady tell me the other day, later on, she said, I thought it meant bring your own badness. But anyhow, you know, it, you know it bring your own bottle. And, and, and I'm ashamed to tell you, I, I'm really ashamed to admit this. When I lived in the neighborhood before, where I used to live before I moved to the present neighborhood, we used to have those parties all the time. And I'm ashamed to tell you this. I didn't go. You know why I didn't go? Well, I'm a pastor. They're going to be drinking. They're going to have beer and liquor and wine. I'm a pastor, so, you know, I didn't go. <clears throat> and I have to be honest, when I first got this invitation and I saw BYOB and I knew exactly what that meant, I mean, there was, a, there was that carnal pride in me, oh, man, you're a pastor, you can't go. And then God spoke to my heart and just asked this one question. He said, are you more interested in what they might have in their hand? Or are you more interested in what they have in their heart? And, and, and I finally woke up and smelled the donuts and realized that that's exactly the kind of party Jesus loved to go to. Matter of fact, Jesus was the first one to show up. So here's what I'm trying to say to some of you here this morning. And I'm telling you, some of you don't like it. You already don't like the message. You already ticked off at me. That's okay. Won't be the last time. Some of you need to get out of your Christian cocoon and you need to get out of your Christian club and you need to get out of your Christian comfort zone and become what Jesus was, a friend of sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He hung out with people far from God. We need to be looking for people who don't believe. 
We need to be looking for people who are not followers of Christ. We need to look for people who don't go to church. We need to look for people who are not or who are far from God and involve ourselves in their lives. And if you're not willing to do that, nothing else is going to work, okay? I can do this. Say that with me. I can do this. The question is, are you willing to get involved? Now you say, okay, I'm willing to get involved. What's step two? Step two is invest. That gets harder. Each step gets harder. Now, where Andrew went to his family, that was kind of easy. Look what Philip does. He goes to a friend, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, I find this very interesting. One started at home. One started with his next-door neighbor. But they both started with somebody that they knew and people that through time they had developed a relationship with. And there's no getting around it. I, I want to be honest. You, you know, some of you may be sitting there and you may be going, Pastor, wh why don't we do what you're asking us to do? Wh why is it we do come and we sit and we soak and we sour? Why, why is it that we come and week after week after week, we, we, we get so used to the empty seats it doesn't even bother us. Can I tell you something? These empty seats at 930 drive me nuts. And if they don't drive you nuts, shame on you. Shame on you for not giving a flying rip that that seat next to you is empty. When this county is filled with hundreds of thousands of people that are going to hell in a handbasket, and we walk in here every Sunday, and we just kind of yawn and say, well, a bunch of empty seats again. Shame on you if that doesn't bother you. Shame on me if it didn't bother me. I wouldn't be fit to be the pastor of this church if it didn't drive me nuts. Now, there's a real silence on my part because I know a lot of you, I know some of you, boy, you're, you've already ground your teeth down that far. And can I just be honest? I know some of you don't care about the music. I get that. I understand that. Probably never will care about the music. I'll just ask you a simple question. Do you care more about the music than you do about lost people? Do you care more about the music than you do about the Word of God? Do you care more about the music than you do that people are going to hell? Can I be honest? The music is a hill. People going to hell, that's a mountain. And until you kind of, some of you in this room change your attitude, you're going to come just like this every Sunday. I'm going to come hear you preach. I love to hear you preach. I love to hear the Word of God. I'm not lifting a finger to bring anybody. That's just not my deal. I'm not going to do it. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to change your attitude. But let me tell you, back to my question. So why don't we do it? I'm going to tell you why. It's hard work. It's time-consuming. It's messy. It's dirty. And, and, and it doesn't come natural, and it has to come natural. And I want you to understand, there, when, I, when I stand up here, please hear me. There are all kinds of ways to share your story. I'm not going to throw rocks at people who go door-to-door. -door. I've gone door-to-door. -door. I'm not going to throw rocks at people who go out on Tuesday night visitation or Monday night visitation. I, I did that for many, many years. I've done my share of that. Let me tell you what I've learned over the years. What I've learned over the years is the most effective method in reaching people today is when you build relationships with people. 
and you involve yourself in the lives of people and you invest yourself in the lives of people and you develop and build relationships and friendships and you do it with people who just naturally fall within your circle of influence, your neighbors, your co-workers, the people you work out with at the gym, the people you play golf with, the people you play tennis with, the people you work with, the people you coach the soccer team with, the parents on the soccer field watching their kids play, that's where you're going to make your greatest impact. So you go back for a moment to Philip and Nathaniel, and you realize they both had one thing in common, both of them. Just the day before, neither one of them knew Jesus. Just the day before. Philip didn't know Jesus. Nathaniel didn't know Jesus. Now, one did, and the other didn't. Here's what happened. The one who did now decides, I'm going to make a conscious, intentional effort to try to get you to a point where you can know the Jesus that I know. And it bears repeating, we need to become a friend of people far from God. By the way, when you go back and read the Gospels, Jesus did not just hang out with, with unbelievers occasionally. He hung out with them intentionally. He initiated contact with them. He went to their homes. He went to their parties. He spent time with them. See, our problem, this is our problem, and it used to be mine. We, are so, we have so removed ourselves from the world so we'll be safe from the world's influence that the world is now safe from any influence we might have on them because we've gotten in our little Christian cocoons and our Christian clubs and our Christian comfort zone. And I use that word invest in purpose because I really believe this. The greatest investment you will ever make in this lifetime is not in stocks, it's not in bonds, it's not in real estates, it's not in gold, it's not in oil. The greatest investment you will ever make in this life is in the lives of other people. You know why? Silver is not going to last for all eternity. Souls are. Money is not going to last for all eternity. Men are. Wealth is not going to last for all eternity. Women are. And again, if you're going to involve yourselves in the lives of people, you're going to have to change your attitude. And by the way, if you're going to involve yourself in the lives of people, you're going to have to change your calendar. You're going to have to make it a point to seek out people who are far from God and prioritize beginning to spend time with them in ways that are natural. I visited with a couple the other day. And uh, uh, went, but Teresa and I went by visiting. They've been visiting our church, thinking about joining our church. And, and, they, and they brought up the fact, they said, you know, one of the things we find so refreshing, they said, we used to go to those churches where there's something Sunday morning, then they had Sunday night worship, then they had Monday night this, they had Tuesday night that, they had Wednesday night that, they had Thursday night that. And they said, it's just so refreshing. You know, we, we come and we love the Sunday morning service. And they said, but we'd like to know, when you started this church, why did you not have a Sunday night service? And I'll tell you why. I actually got the idea from my mentor, Adrian Rogers. I said, I realize in the long run, rather than trying to beat people over the head, trying to get back, come back Sunday night, if they'll do what we'd like to ask them to do, in the long run, we'll be a lot more productive for the kingdom of God if instead of coming back to church on Sunday night, they take what they learned on Sunday morning and apply it on Sunday night and go to their next-door neighbor and go to their lost friends and say, could you come to our house tonight? We're having a cookout and start building relationships where you could reach those people for Christ. We, we, we got to the point where we had, bless your heart, we had you running around like squirrels. Every day there was, you were coming up to the church, and then we were asking you to go out and do the work of the church. And I finally realized you don't do the work of the church at church. You do the work of the church outside the church. So if you play golf and you like to play golf, play golf with somebody that, 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 that's far from God. And by the way, let me tell you an easy way to reach out. Let me tell you something I've learned about everybody. Even diabetics love to eat. Right? Everybody likes to eat. Well, how hard is it 
So take that next door neighbor that you hardly know or that guy across the street. How hard is it just to invite them for a cookout? It's not hard. It's just, it's just not hard. I told you that one of the ways I'll reach Bruce, my next door neighbor who comes to the 11 o'clock service. I mean, this, you talk about far from God, Bruce will tell you. Bruce, his name's Bruce McLean. I've told his story everywhere. I mean, I've made this guy famous. This guy, he didn't like preachers. He didn't like me. He didn't like church. He got burned out. He wanted anything to do with church. Now he works in our preschool. He and Jan work in our preschool uh, ministry. They're, they're wonderful people. They're here. He sits right over there every single Sunday. You know how I reached him? Baseball. He's a big Braves fan. I found out he's a Braves fan. You know what I did? Called him up. I said, hey, Bruce, I want to take you to the ball game. Let's go see the Braves play. Me and you and, and, and the wives, we're going to see the ball game. You know what I did? Took him down to the varsity, got him a chili dog, got him a, got him a ticket to the Braves game, gave his life to Jesus. I mean, boom, 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 just like that. Now, um, I'm just kidding. But the question is this. My question is, are you willing to involve yourself in the lives of others? What I mean by that is, are you willing to just try, are you willing just to take the first step? Just get, just get your foot in the door with somebody. And then, are you willing to invest yourself in the lives of others? That, in other words, are you willing now to spend quality time with them, to build a relationship with them, to kind of position them to the point where you can take the third step? And here's the third step. Invite. I can do this. Let's say that together. I can do this. I haven't told you one thing you can't do. You can involve, you can invest, and you can invite. Let's go back to Philip's dialogue with Nathaniel, verse 46. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Now, do you hear what Philip said? Do you see any similarity between what Philip said to Nathaniel and what Jesus said to those two men? They both said exactly the same thing. Come and see. In other words, what did Jesus do? Extended invitation. What did Andrew do? Extended invitation. What did Philip do? Extended an invitation. And the number one reason we know why unchurched people start coming to church is because of the invitation of someone they know. I was out, I get here, we get here very early. Uh, our staff does, some of our staff, we get here very early uh, on Sunday morning. And let me tell you what we do. This, let's hope this will bless you. You're sitting in a seat today that was prayed for because we take turns, and I was in here today with uh, Bruce. We walk every seat in this building, and we lay hands on every seat, and we pray for every seat. So you're, you're, you were prayed for. You didn't even know it. You were prayed for before you walked in this building today. Your seat was prayed for. I'm out there, met with a family. They're sitting. I saw them over here somewhere. They're right here. Sweet family right over here. This family, raise your hands. This family right here drove 864 miles through the night, got here yesterday just to be in our service today from Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> met them early. And while I'm meeting them, another couple comes up. They're in this service somewhere. Another sweet couple came up to me. They thought the service started at 9 o'clock. You're talking about getting the early bird. They thought the service started at 9 o'clock. They got here at 9 o'clock. I mean, are you, they get here at 9 o'clock on daylight savings time Sunday. They can't be Baptist. It's, it's, it's impossible. You know why they came? I asked them, so how did you find about our church? They were invited. Somebody just invited them. That's it. That's all. I, I said, that's all. Yeah, we were just invited. Now, I don't want to bore you with statistics, but these are not boring statistics. 
There are 160 million Americans who are far from God. If invited to attend church, 31% say they would be very likely to come. 51% say they would be somewhat likely to come. That means 82% of the people who do not go to church in America are somewhat, if not very likely, to attend if they're invited. Only 21% of active churchgoers ever invite anyone to church, and only 2% of churchgoers, active churchgoers, invite the unchurched. I'm going to read those last two. Only 21% of active churchgoers ever invite anybody to church. So in other words, four out of five of you never invite anybody to church. Never. Never ever think about it. 98% of you never invite an unchurched person to come. Now, there will come a time as you involve and you invest that you need to invite. And I know you may think that's the hard part, but it really isn't because I, I want to give you some encouraging news. First of all, let's say you get to that point, you finally take that step, and let's say you invite someone to come to church and they say no. Or let's suppose you get to that point and you finally invite someone to come to church and they say yes, but they don't come. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up on them. Don't be bothered if those things happen. Be patient. I've been investing in the life of an unbeliever for three and a half years now. Three and a half years. I got him to read a book. I got him to read some of the Bible. He's an agnostic. I got him coming to church for a while. There was, a, there was, a, there was a several months there, about a year and a half, two years ago. He didn't miss a Sunday for three months. I don't think he's been here in a year and a half. You know what I do every now and then? I send him a text. Every now and then, I give him a call. He came, uh, he brought his kids here uh, Christmas Eve. First time I'd seen him in over a year. And he, he wept. I saw him right out there. He wept. And he said, you know, Pastor, I, I don't know why you do it, but I just want you to know, I get your text, I get your calls, I know that you love me. Please continue to pray for me. What am I doing? I just keep involving. I just keep investing. I just keep inviting. Now, the next thing I'm going to say is important for everybody in this room. And I want you to raise your hand. I want you to give it away. But if you're over the age of 50, or if you grew up, as most of us did in a very traditional church. So if you're over the age of 50 or you grew up in a very traditional church, I want you to listen to this statement. We must create an environment where the unchurched person will come back and once he does come, will want to come back. We must also create an environment where church people will want to bring their unchurched friends. Now, you may not like the way we do it, but that's what we're trying to do. With everything we know how, with the best that we've got, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Now, let me tell you, and I'm going to be real specific. So you're over the age of 50, or you're more accustomed to the traditional church or, or whatever. Let me be specific now and tell you what that means in creating an atmosphere where people want to come to this church. When an unchurched person or a person far from God walks into this church, the last thing they need to hear are your gripes. And the last thing they need to hear are your complaints. And the last thing that they need to hear are your, your gossip and your negative talk. I don't like this. I don't like the fact that we're, they're asking us to do this. I don't like the music. I don't like this. I don't like that. Any unchurched person that walks into a church where the people who are in the church are not excited about their church, they won't be excited either. And they walk into a church, and if they think you don't want to be here, they certainly will not want to be here. And the truth of the matter is, 
God wants every one of us this morning who are sitting in a seat to be concerned about people who are not. I'm going to say that again. God wants every one of us this morning that's sitting in a seat to be concerned about the people who are not. And as we involve ourselves and invest ourselves in the lives of others, we need to be constantly looking for ways we can invite them. Now, let me tell you what that means. I'm not even asking you to share the gospel. I'm not even asking you to share your story right now. I'm just saying, look, would you invite them to a worship service? Would you invite them to a small group? Would you invite them to a morning Bible, story, a Bible study or with a group of coworkers? Would you just invite them out for a meal? Would you invite them over to your house for a cookout? Different people will come to Christ eventually in different ways. Your job is just keep involving, keep investing, keep inviting. So, by the way, question, whom have you invited to church in the last month? Big question. So, here's your assignment. Ready? Simple assignment. I want you to make a list. Now, you can do it right now or do it when you get home. And by the way, again, if you're not taking my message seriously, you won't do this anyway. If you're one of those guys that say, okay, I really am going to take the message. I'm not going to blow you off. Then I want you to do this. I want you to make a list. I want you to write down the names of three people. Now, here's, here's the only qualification of those three people. They don't attend church or they don't attend church regularly. I want you to write down the names of three unchurched people or people who may be unbelievers. These are people, they're far from God, they don't go to church. I want you to write their names down. Now, you're not going to believe what I'm going to ask you to do. You say, I know. You're going to ask me to invite them to my house. Nope. You're going to ask me to invite them to church. Nope. You're going to ask me to take them to a ball game. Nope. Okay, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to pray. You say, oh, 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 I got it. You want me to pray for them? Nope. I want you to write down three names, and I want you to pray for you. I want you to pray for you. I want you to pray for you. And I want you to pray for you. And I want you to pray specifically for two things. Number one, God, will you change my attitude so that I will get involved in their lives? Number two, God, will you prioritize my calendar so I can invest in their life. Now, as we close this service, I want you to pull out this card. Everybody pull this card out of your room of worship. My prayer. God, will you change my attitude so I'll get involved in the lives of others? God, will you prioritize my calendar so I can invest in the lives of others? Philip said, come and see. Now, on the back of that card, I close with this statement. If you really believe in the redeeming and transforming power of God's presence in a person's life, then the single greatest gift you can give someone is an explanation of how to be rightly connected to Him. And it all begins by doing something everybody in this room can do. Just get your foot in the door. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I just want to tell you one thing I hope you picked up on in this story is that Jesus is worth following. 
And he's worth following only for one reason. And that's because he died on the cross for our sins and God raised him from the dead and he's alive right now and he wants to come into your life. He wants to save you. And no, I maybe have not involved myself in your life. I don't even know who you are and I've never invested any time in you, but I can still invite you to receive Christ into your life. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you you don't have a personal relationship with Him, you've never really connected with God through Christ and you would like to, if you've got sin in your life you'd like to get rid of, if you'd like to know you'd walk out of here this morning a forgiven person, totally right with God, just pray this prayer right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need you. I believe you died.